0: Thanks for being here tonight on a Sunday night. Uh, we're continuing our series through the book of James. So we'll grab your Bible, turn to the book of James, chapter number one. We have notes for you tonight. You're welcome. Uh, the uh, ushers have those. If you didn't get a copy of the notes, as our ushers come by, slip up your hand. Uh, they got uh, notes and pens. Uh, grab a handful of pens to take with you as well, ushers, uh, if you would tonight. Notes and pens. As I look through my notes that I'm going to preach from tonight, I, I looked and I see there's a lot of Bible verses in here, and this would make a really good reference tool for you. And so, uh, I know some of you like to figure out how long I'm going to preach. Uh, how many blanks you have in your notes has no bearing whatsoever on the length of the uh, remaining length of the message. So, don't try to calculate that. Uh, but uh, I, I thought this would be really good for you for reference to go back to because we all need wisdom uh, for sure. Uh, the Bible is a book chock full of wisdom. Um, that's why I, I encourage you to become a student of God's Word, uh, to walk in wisdom over and over. And again, throughout the Bible, we're commanded to seek out wisdom, to walk in wisdom, and to, uh, to walk circumspectly. And so, wisdom is one of those things that you just can't get enough of. And so, um, we'll talk about that tonight. James chapter number 1, we'll start in verse number um, 5 and go through verse number 7. James chapter 1, verse number 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth. That word upbraid means to scold or to uh, correct or rebuke. Upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea tossed in the wind and and tossed. For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For me personally and my... uh, My daily devotional time, I have a prayer list that I go through. Actually, I have several different prayer lists that I pray through. I pray through a prayer list for myself and for my family. I pray uh, through a prayer list for our church family. And then I pray through a list of uh, other friends that we have uh, that I pray for as well. But every single day my daily prayer list... The first person that I pray for is myself, and you might think to yourself, well, that's kind of selfish to pray for yourself first before anybody else, and it goes back to that idea that before you can help anybody else, you need to make sure that you can help yourself. And so, first thing I pray for myself every single day is this, I pray for wisdom. Why do I pray for wisdom? Because the Bible promises, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. This is a promise from the Word of God that if you ever need wisdom, just ask for it and God will give it. Now we need to know where to look to find it. It's not like God just automatically implants wisdom in our hearts for us, although there is a certain degree to that. We need to take a look tonight at where we find wisdom, where we can get wisdom from. But do not ever be remiss in asking for wisdom because God promises to give it. Oftentimes people will ask, Pastor, how can I pray for you? You can never go wrong praying for wisdom for your pastor because I need it uh, every single day. I need wisdom as a man. I need wisdom as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, uh, as an encourager. Any aspect of my life, I need wisdom. And when I don't know what to do, I always seek out wise godly men that can speak truth into my life and, and guide me into biblical godly wisdom as well and so you can't get away from wisdom we want our children to grow up not to just be well-behaved kids but we need them to grow up to be biblically wise uh, a, a wise man doesn't necessarily need a list of rules to follow uh, he can understand how life works and how god's word works and follow out wisdom for themselves. Looked at several different definitions of the, of the definitions that are in your notes here tonight. None of these are original to me. I found them uh, through uh, a little bit of study and things like that. But wisdom is the quality of discerning what is true, what's ethically ethically right, and what should be done in different situations. That's a good uh, definition I like for wisdom. How do you handle a situation? Hey, if you have uh, uh, two families in the church that aren't getting along, how do we handle that situation? That comes down to Wisdom. Uh, How do we deal with a a child who is misbehaving over and over? Uh, We deal with that in wisdom. How do you handle the situation with your unsaved neighbor who's being unreasonable? Wisdom will help guide in that situation as well. How do we help our kids uh, in school? Maybe an unsaved teacher. Wisdom will guide in that as well. And so wisdom at the end of the day helps us to understand how to handle things in a way that's ethically, morally right, but it also helps us to understand different situations and circumstances as well. Biblical wisdom describes the practical skills associated with living a successful life. These range from the ability to create highly skilled works to the intellectual capability required to make choices that result in favorable outcomes and avoids trouble. We take a look in the book of Exodus when it comes down to uh, building the tabernacle. Uh, There's a a certain man, I think it was Exodus chapter 30, 32, something like that, uh, by the name of Bezalel that God gave special wisdom in how to craft certain things for the temple. He gave him wisdom on how to actually build stuff. And so when we think of wisdom, wisdom isn't just necessarily knowledge or knowledge that relates to biblical aspects, but it can actually come down to the way that you do your job and the way that you uh, handle things uh, skillfully with your hands uh, can also uh, relate to wisdom as well. So wisdom isn't just one of those things that you need to just sit back and think about. It's something that we actually have the opportunity to put into practice as well. One author said basically wisdom is the art of being successful or forming the correct plan to gain the desired results. It's the seat of the heart, the center of moral and intellectual decision. Another author said that wisdom is the capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct. So when it comes down to wisdom, wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's more than just being smart. There's a lot of smart people who have done a lot of really foolish things. There's a lot of smart people who have done a lot of dumb stuff. So being intellectually bright, intellectually smart, is not a guarantee that you will walk in wisdom. Wisdom is more of an application of the knowledge that you have the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse number 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his good works with the meekness of wisdom. Hey, who is a guy that has wisdom and knowledge? You'll know it by the way that he lives his life. It will work itself out. And that's really the study that we're going through here on, on Sunday nights in, in James is practical Christianity. It will show itself. It will identify itself by the way that we live our lives. I sometimes explain the relationship between knowledge and the other uh, types of uh, man that the book of Proverbs talks about like this. Knowledge is, some, is facts. The stove is hot. Now, the book of Proverbs outlines four different types of men. Uh, it identifies a foolish man, a simple man, a scorner, and then it identifies the wise man. So we think of the idea of the stove is hot. That's a fact. That's knowledge. The stove is hot. I think I will touch it would be foolishness. The stove's hot. I think I'm going to give it a shot. I think I'm going to touch it and see what happens. That's foolishness. When we talk about the simple, the simple is the one who's ignorant. He doesn't know any better. The the simple man would say this. The stove is hot. What does it mean to be hot? I should touch it and find out. That would be the simple man. The scorner would be the type of person who hates wisdom. Uh, The book of Proverbs talks about the scorner as one who hates, is vehemently against wisdom. The scorner would say, yeah, the stove is hot, but you should probably touch it because it won't hurt for very long, and don't let anybody tell you what you can and you can't touch. That would be the idea of the scorner. The wise man says, the stove is hot, and so because it's hot, I should not touch it. That's the wise man. But here's what wisdom does. Wisdom takes it one step further as well. Wisdom says not only is this stove hot, not only will it burn me if I touch it, so I won't. I'm going to watch out and make sure that nobody else touches this stove because the simple or the fool could hurt themselves, and I want to protect them from that. Wisdom seeks to make a difference in the lives of others as well. So wisdom is more than just knowing a lot of stuff. Wisdom is the ability to discern and to be able to live out based on the knowledge that you do have. The opposite of wisdom would be foolishness. Now again, foolishness is different than being simple. The simple person just doesn't know any better. I got saved at nine years old, uh, accepted Christ as Savior as a a boy. I grew up in a church that didn't teach good Bible doctrine and definitely didn't teach uh, practical Christian living. I guess the doctrine was okay, but the doctrine just didn't make a difference on how we lived our lives, and because of that, I would say that there was a faulty, uh, there was a disconnect between doctrine and practical living, that the connection was never made, and so as a young adult, I began to, to live a life according to the guidelines that I had set for myself. I didn't get into too much big sin, but I continued to live for myself and continue to... Um, Rebel against not God, not out of a rebellious, hateful spirit towards God, but just because I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I didn't know any better. You could say that I was simple. I thought to myself, the rules in the Bible are kind of flexible. It was a book that was written a long time ago, and things have changed since then, and, and I have the ability to choose and do my life as I want. God gives some guidelines, and I should try to stay in the boundaries of those guidelines the best that I can. That would be Simple. And I was very simple when it came to the things of God and to, to, to sin and things like that. And while Angela and I, when we got married, were baby, baby Christians and we weren't living a life that was necessarily pleasing to the Lord, it wasn't out of outright rebellion and a desire to live a sinful lifestyle as much as it was we just didn't know any better. But the moment that we were confronted with truth, the moment that someone took us under their wing and discipled us and began to expound to us biblical wisdom, we began to crave wisdom. Tell me more. I need to know more about the Bible. I need to know more about how that relates to this situation. I got this situation going on at work and what should I do according to the Bible? We began to crave wisdom because we'd been simple and because of our simplicity had done several foolish things But there came a point where we greatly desired wisdom. And so, but when you know wisdom, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but I choose to do it anyways, that then crosses the line, not from being simplicity or being simple, but it crosses the line into foolishness. I know what I'm doing goes against the Bible, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyways. That's foolishness, and the Bible commands again and again against living foolishly. If you want to really know how these different four categories of a person breaks down, whether it be the, the wise, the simple, the foolish, or the scorner, read through the book of Proverbs, you'll find them through there. Fascinating study if you want to read through the book of Proverbs. And again, it's no coincidence that Proverbs is a book of wisdom. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse number 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fool doesn't want to be told that he's wrong. He doesn't want anybody to encroach on what he's got going on. I got a good thing going right now. I don't want anybody to mess it up. And so I don't desire wisdom. I don't desire instruction. I don't want to be corrected. I just want to do what I want to do. And that's the opposite of wisdom. Now, at some point, the fool crosses the line and becomes a scorner when he hates wisdom and hates those who give instruction and correction this is a person who, according to the Bible, really cannot be helped a whole lot. The only thing that the scorner becomes is a, a basically an example for those who would go down that path of, hey, this is what you don't want to be. But when we think about the desire for wisdom, the opposite of wisdom would be foolishness. Wisdom begins with an appropriate perspective. If you truly want to be wise, according to the Bible, it all starts with an understanding that God is sovereign, God's ways are always true, and God's word is the source of wisdom. Job 28, verse number 28, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Next week we're going to get into fear, and at some point in our series we'll talk about the fear of the Lord. But when we talk about the fear of the Lord, it's not being afraid of God. It's an awe, it's a reverence, it's a respect, it's a worship of who God is as a person. And the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom according to Proverbs chapter 15. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have they that do his commandments and his praise endureth forever. That's Psalm 111, verse number 10. So it all begins with the right perspective. God is the source of wisdom. And please understand this. At any point that you choose to disobey the word of God, you have chosen to act foolishly. Period. I can't... I cannot rebel against the word of God and expect good things from my life. It just doesn't happen. You can't live a foolish lifestyle and expect the things that would come to the wise person. It just doesn't work that way. So we talk about wisdom. God gives wisdom for all who will seek it. One of the great promises from James chapter 1, verse number 5, if any of you lack wisdom, I don't know about you, but I greatly lack wisdom. Now, over the last two decades of walking with Jesus, I've grown in a lot of wisdom. But I still lack. I don't have it all figured out. But here's the promise. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask from God who giveth to all men liberally. If you desire wisdom, man, mega dose on God's Word. Mega dose on the Proverbs. If you read one proverb a day, you could never exhaust the resources of the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. We often tell people, to, if you don't have a good place in your Bible reading schedule, read one proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, so there can be one for every day of the, the month. Today's uh, you know, July 11th, read Proverbs 11. Tomorrow, read Proverbs 12, and, and so on. And if you did that every single day for the rest of your life, you could never squeeze out all the wisdom that's found in the book of Proverbs It was written by the wisest man to ever live outside of Christ himself. God gave him special wisdom, and before this guy died, Solomon, he wrote a book to his boys. Boys, here's everything that I know about life. And he wrote the book of Proverbs. And so it gives us the ability to kind of read, uh, sit in on a conversation, be a fly on the wall as a father speaks to his sons about everything he knows about life. And here's what Solomon says in Proverbs chapter two, verse number one: My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding; yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding; if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom; out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. And he is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. So Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, and at that time definitely the richest man to ever live, says, boys, if you're looking for something, don't go looking for gold and silver. Go looking for wisdom instead. Because wisdom is greater than gold and silver. Wisdom is greater than treasure and riches. I would definitely rather have a wise friend than a rich friend, that's for sure. And Solomon says, guys, if you're going to go after anything, go after wisdom. Ephesians chapter 1 verse number 17 says that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. It's amazing that when we think of the wisdom of God as higher than anything that you and I could possibly think of, and the Bible says that, that the, fo- the wisdom of this world is actually foolishness to God. And God's wisdom is so much higher than our wisdom and understanding. And God's wisdom is so much higher than the world's wisdom and understanding. But here's the awesome thing about God's wisdom. He says this, if you want it, just ask for it. That God's wisdom, he's not trying to keep a secret. I remember as a teenager uh, sitting through multiple years, teen conferences and youth conferences and youth retreats and things like that where uh, the speakers would come and talk about discovering God's will for your life like it was this big huge secret that needed to be uncovered and we could go on this crazy quest like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark to find God's will out there And, and through this process you could possibly discover the wisdom of God like it's this ancient art treasure that once you find it you'll be like yes I finally found it. God's not trying to keep either his will or his wisdom is secret. It's plain. It's out there. It's on display. It's free for the taking. It's like God dumped a dump truck out in the middle of the street and says, hey guys, come and get it. Wisdom isn't one of these things that we have to be on this crazy quest to find. We don't have to get a secret decoder ring to to understand the the mystery ways of God. No, it's, it's plain. It's clear. God says, ask for it. I'll give it to you. The problem in my life, and probably yours as well, isn't so much that I don't get wisdom or I don't know where to find wisdom. My problem, and probably yours as well, is that we often don't want to obey wisdom. I know what I should do. That's clear. I just don't want to do it. I know what the right thing to do is in this situation. It's just going to be really hard. I know the right thing to say in this given circumstances. it's just going to make things really awkward between us. And so it's not so much that God's wisdom is this hidden gem that we have to spend a lifelong quest to unlock a a, a small bit of it. God wants to give it liberally, the Bible says. All we have to do is ask, and He's willing to give it. Desiring wisdom is a mark of maturity. Wanting to know more of God's Word, wanting to know more of God's ways is a, a mark of maturity. And it's interesting to, to, to note as well that wisdom isn't necessarily something that always comes with age. Wisdom is something that comes from being immersed in the Word of God and being very aware of life. You take, for example, my, my grandfather on my mother's side was a despicable excuse for a human being. He was an unsaved man. He was an alcoholic. He was a wife and child abuser. You talk about the lowest of the lowest guy was it? He was married seven times. (laughs) You talk about a guy who knew a lot about marriage. You say, "Wow, this guy has a lot of experience." Yeah, who wants to get experience from him? Nobody. So we don't necessarily say, "Well, wisdom comes with age or wisdom comes with experience." Not necessarily. We'll take a look at the source of wisdom in just a, a bit, but it's a matter of, of young people can be very, very wise. You take a 21, 22-year-old guy that has become a student of God's Word and, and pours over Scripture and has a real walk with God and a real desire to please and honor the Lord. That can be a guy who's wiser than a guy who's been saved for 50 years but lives in a lifestyle of habitual sin, and so we talk about wisdom. Wisdom comes from not just knowledge, but knowledge and application. But a desire for wisdom is a mark of maturity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, or those that are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. Hey, we sit and talk about the wise things of God with those people that are mature. And it's interesting, as, it, as Paul talks to the, the church at Corinth, this is an absolutely scathing rebuke, First and Second Corinthians, where he says to them, Hey, we talk about the wisdom of God with those that are mature, and that's obviously not you. Harsh. And you know what's always funny to me is that uh, we, we traveled for for twelve months, uh, sharing the the burden of, of planning a church in Honolulu before we came and started Hui and I I lost count. It was probably a dozen or so churches as we traveled, and they were primarily through the South. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but we came across churches that were called like Corinthian Baptist Church. That's just like, have you ever read the Book of First and Second Corinthians? I don't think you want to name your church after that. Like the the Berean Baptist Church. I get, I understand that, you know, but corinthian baptist church like i don't think you've read the bible that's not a that's not a positive thing for sure but as he writes to them he says hey we talk about the wisdom of god only with mature christians we don't talk about the wisdom of this world or the ways of the princes of this world because those are worthless psalm 37 verse number 30 the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment the law of god is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide Psalm 49, my my mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. It's important to understand, too, that wisdom is not something that you're automatically born with. It's funny when we look at people, we say, oh, man, that guy's a really wise man. It's important to understand that wisdom is a learned virtue. Wisdom isn't something that you just automatically got and didn't get. Wisdom isn't something like good looks, like, oh, it's genetic, it's hereditary, you know, that guy's a handsome guy, I'll never be that handsome. Wisdom is one of those things that anybody can be. There's no cap, there's no limit on your ability to become wise aside from your willingness to submit to wisdom. Proverbs 2.2, so that thou incline thy ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Again, if you read the beginning of Proverbs, it talks about boys, be on a quest for wisdom. Put your heart in a position to be able to receive wisdom. That's why I want to commend you to, for being in church on a Sunday night because you're saying, I want more of God's word than what I got on Sunday morning. Sunday morning was good. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm helped by that. But I want more of God's word. That shows a, a lack, uh, I'm sorry, that shows maturity on your part. For those who say, hey, I got enough church to last me for a couple of weeks, that shows immaturity on their part. But you're putting yourself in a place where I want to hear the Word of God more. I want to hear more wisdom. I want my life to be changed by the Word of God more often. And again, when we submit ourselves to a small group on Wednesday night, We're saying, I want to be around other people who want to be wise as well. I want to be in a community of people every single week that are going to love one another, and pray for one another, and I want to hear what other people have to say about uh, the truths that were presented from God's Word on Sunday. Let's talk about Sunday's message and what are some things that stuck out to you or what are some things that, that you learned from a message because I want to grow in wisdom with other people. Again, that's not a mark of immaturity. That's a mark of spiritual maturity. When we talk about wisdom, we need to understand that God is the source of all wisdom. Where do we get wisdom? God says, ask, and we'll receive it. Now, is, it, is this a matter of it's just going to automatically be implanted in my heart, in my life? Maybe, maybe not. But according to the book of Proverbs, it's a matter of putting your heart in the right position, putting yourself in the way of wisdom, being ready to receive wisdom, And be willing to apply the knowledge that you have. Daniel says in Daniel chapter 2 verse number 20. Daniel answered and said blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the season. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise. And knowledge to them that know understanding. Hey Daniel got it. Hey God is in control of everything. He's sovereign. And if there's wisdom and strength belong to him. And if he wants to give it to anybody, he can choose to give it to who he wants. So we think of the source of wisdom. You cannot go wrong with the Word of God. You can't. Become a student of it. Spend every single day for the rest of your life in it. Know it forwards and backwards. Again, we have so many Christians that if I were to say, Hey, if you believe that this is the Word of God, say amen. Amen. Hey, if you think we should build our life on this, say amen. 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 Hey, say amen if you spent seven days of the last week in it. Probably get pretty quiet at that point. We know we should read it. We know that it contains wisdom. We know that it contains the answers of the life, but we don't immerse ourselves in it. Why? Foolishness. (laughs) If you really want wisdom, dig into the Word of God like never before. Become a student of God's Word like never before. Take your Bible reading more than I'm just going to read one chapter a day to. I want to dig deep into the Word of God and understand it more. I want to read good Christian books that help me with understanding wisdom. You know, I want my marriage to be better. Good. Go to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about what a Christian marriage should look like, and it's actually a picture of the way that Jesus loves His church. And if you read through all of the Bible, you'll find that if you were to study what the Bible says about marriage, it's very, very sparse, I guess you could say. There's not any huge, lengthy passages that talk about marriage, and so there's only a little bit there. And so I have taken upon myself to learn more about marriage, and so I've read just about every single Christian marriage book that's out there, I can, I can tell you that. I mean, love and respect, read it. Gary Smalley wrote something, I've read it. You know, I can, laundry list goes on and on of books that I've read, but here's the crazy thing about the Christian marriage books. They're all pretty much the same. I mean, if you read one, if you read three of them, you've read them all, let me put it that way. And I've read probably close to 50 books on marriage. And frankly, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'll, I'll have to confess this before you. I don't read any more books on marriage I'll go back and reread some of the ones that I've read before but, but basically it boils down to this stop being selfish walk in the spirit submit yourselves one to another men lead your wives the way that Jesus leads his church and love them to that end and wives be willing to submit to the loving caring headship of your husband and that's kind of it and so if you've read four or five of these books, you've read them all because the Bible is ridiculously clear on how to make your marriage work. And I have yet, yet, it hasn't happened one single solitary time that I've ever sat down with a couple to provide some level of counseling in their marriage that the end result was not walk in the Spirit. So it's, it's, it's not a knowledge issue, it's an application issue. And then that becomes an ability to walk in wisdom and to die to self. And so again, it's, it's, it's not overly simplistic to say that the Bible really has all the answers that you need for life, because it does. Again, uh, Christian parenting books. You know, there's, there's a handful of them out there that are really good. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, to train up your children in the way that they should go. Teach them their need for the gospel, their need for Jesus, their need for repentance. And at the end of the day, the, the Bible is the source of, of wisdom. Now, is all wisdom of the world found in the Bible? No. But all the wisdom of, that the world has that amounts to a hill of beans will be backed up by the Bible, that's for sure. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Jeremiah 8 9, the wise men are ashamed and dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord. And what wisdom is di- in them? Deuteronomy 4 6, keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear these statutes. Surely, as a great nation is wise and an understanding people. Psalm 119, and 99, thou. Through my commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for for thy testimonies are my meditations. David, as he writes Psalm 119, says, hey, I'm wiser than anybody else because I have God's word. And so when we take a look at wisdom, if you desire wisdom yet don't read God's Word, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage to ever receive wisdom. That's why, again, we place such a high importance on discipleship and the preaching and teaching of the Bible here at Huicala. You didn't come to get my opinions on wisdom or what I think about wisdom or, hey, let me tell you five ways that I got super wise. No, you came to hear what does the Bible say because that's the source of wisdom. On a Sunday morning, we're going to preach, what does the Bible say? Not what do I think, or what do you think, or what's some really good book that's popular right now. Let's talk about that. What does the Word of God say? Because that's the source of wisdom. And if you desire wisdom, yet don't spend time in the Word of God, you will never receive the wisdom that your heart craves. So place a high importance on the Word of God. Secondly, you will never have wisdom if you do not adhere to and have the Spirit of God. The unsaved man, the Bible says, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. The unsaved man thinks that we read a book of fairy tales that was written so long ago, and there's not any value found written in them. But for those of us that are saved, have inside of us the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God guides us into wisdom. Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse number 13, "Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has come. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. And so the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the word of God to guide us into wisdom and understanding. And so I can't tell you how many times I've read through the Bible and I come across a verse and it's just like, what? I've never read that verse before in my life. Where did that come from? Because the Holy Spirit shines a light on that and it illuminates that verse in your life at that moment, and then the Word of God becomes realer to you based on your experience and based on the Holy Spirit bringing God's Word to life in your life. That's why the Word of God is a living book. It's not a, a dead book that was written years ago. It's as much alive as it ever has been. It's quick. The word quick in the Bible means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But we need something to illuminate Scripture for us, to help us understand how to process what the Bible's talking about, and that's the Spirit of God. This is why, again, so critically important. The Bible says that when we willingly sin against God and we willingly shut off the Holy Spirit of God, that we can quench the Spirit. The word quench means to put out. We think of Gatorade as the thirst quencher. It puts out our thirst. So when you and I quench the Holy Spirit of God, which the Bible commands us not to do, we no longer hear and are affected by the Spirit the way that we used to. And so, get this, when I live in rebellion to God, When I've quenched the Holy Spirit of God, I'm putting myself at a disadvantage to understand biblical truth. And so again, it works this way. When you live foolishly, you'll never gain wisdom. That kind of seems like a no-brainer, right? But if you quench the Spirit of God, you're putting yourself at a severe disadvantage to be able to gather wisdom from the Word of God. So again, you take someone who's living foolishly and rebellion, a life of rebellion against the Word of God. And you take somebody who doesn't spend time in the Word of God, yet you pray for wisdom, you're never going to receive it to the degree that you should. And so this is not a matter of just, I'm going to pray to God that I'll get wisdom while I have quenched the Spirit and don't spend time in the Word. No, I need the Word of God, and I need to be as attentive to the Holy Spirit as I ever have been in my entire life. And asking God to fill me... And allow me to be controlled by the Spirit of God to, to guide me into the wisdom that my heart craves. Another source of godly wisdom is godly counsel. <clears throat> Proverbs 19:20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. I want to be around godly men, godly women that can speak truth into my life, that I trust their judgment because I see godly fruit in their life. I'm not going to ask the unsaved guy that I work with that is divorced twice what he thinks I should do in my marriage. (laughs) I don't really care what he thinks. If he gives me advice, I'm probably going to do the opposite because whatever you're doing is obviously not working for you. I want to be around guys that have been walking with Jesus, not for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, but guys have been walking with Jesus for a couple of decades. Hey, man, tell me what I should do in this situation here. What would you do if you were in my shoes? What's the wise thing to do in this particular situation or circumstance? Hey, I was thinking about doing this. What are your thoughts on that? I need godly counsel in my life. And just because I've been walking with Jesus for a couple of decades, and just because I'm a pastor, doesn't mean that I am above needing wisdom. I need wisdom, and as much of it as I can get. And so I'll often ask for godly counsel. Angela I made a decision, man, probably uh, 15 years ago. I don't know about you guys, but I am very—I'm um, I'm a highly emotional person. I'm—I'm—I'm uh, I'm, I'm driven often, if I'm not careful, by emotion. I'm easily persuaded by emotion. And so our church in California, once a year they would have a, a missions conference and somebody would come and they say, hey, here's a place we're going to in Mexico and the mayor of this town wants somebody to come and plant a church and he's willing to give 10 acres of land and, and build a church building for anybody that'll come and start a church. And they show these pictures of these kids that don't know Jesus in this area where there's no gospel witness and you see these people that are running to Catholic mass and I see pictures and videos, and, and I hear the stories of this guy who's going to build a church building and give money and give land and stuff like that. And I'm sitting there going, like, looking around the room, going, like, okay, if nobody else will go. I'll go. Like, I mean, nobody else will do it. I'll, I'll do it. So here I am offering myself as a missionary to Mexico. We're at Mexico. I'm not really sure. i got to talk to this guy afterwards to find out where I'm going. And before I know it, before the day's over, I'm ready to be a missionary to Mexico because I saw some video and heard some story. And so it doesn't take long to realize that there's a need everywhere. And the the person that comes by with the saddest story or the most pictures in my heart is going to win. So I can't make decisions at the drop of a hat based on emotion. I need something higher than emotion. I need to be led by, help me with it, wisdom. So Angela and I made a decision like 15 years ago after one too many times of surrendering to every place on the globe as a missionary. I mean, man, we were going to, to Thailand, we were going to China, we were going to Japan, uh, we were going to Mexico, I went to El, uh, on a mission trip to El Salvador, man, we were going everywhere, like, point me in a direction and turn me loose and we're going to win people to Jesus, man. I needed something bigger than that, and so we made a decision 15 years ago, here's what we did. We will not make any life-altering decision without 90 days of prayer and fasting and asking specifically God for wisdom in the situation. I will not make any life-altering decision without uh, receiving counsel from five godly men that I know that have been walking with Jesus for decades. And those are two kind of safety measures we put in place to make sure that we don't do something harebrained and crazy. And I still adhere to both of those never going to make any life-changing decision without 90 days of prayer and fasting and asking God for wisdom. I'm not going to make any life-altering decision without talking to five godly men that I respect and receiving wisdom from them. When we started, when we felt like God moving us to, to Honolulu to plant Huikala. We did that exact same thing. I, I prayed and fasted for 90 days. And at the ni- end of 90 days, God made it abundantly clear, like ridiculous clear. Like, had he written me a letter and signed it at the bottom, it could not have been more clear that we were supposed to be here in Honolulu and planting this church. And then I talked to to five godly men that that I loved and respected and asked them for their wisdom and things like that. Four of them told me, man, 100%, no doubt about it, we see God moving in this situation. And one guy that I talked to, one out of five says, bad idea, you need to stay put. And it's just like, wow. And I said, man, tell me why. Tell me more. And, man, I was taking notes on why we shouldn't do this. You know why? Because I wasn't trying to do what I wanted to do. If that was the case and somebody tells me what I don't want to hear, I'd be like, pa, you're outnumbered, four to one, dude. I don't care what you think. Or I would say, hey, let me convince you. Let me answer all of your questions so that I can present a better case to get you to do what I want to do. And oftentimes people do that when it comes to godly counsel. Hey, I'm going to move to Wyoming, where the closest Bible preaching church is 90 minutes away, but we sure do love a good road trip. And so we think it'll be a good fit for our family. And I talked to these three guys that I love and respect who think it's a bad idea, but I found one guy who says, hey, go for it. And so I think we're going to go with that. And so I wasn't trying to get this one guy to, to be on my side. I said, hey, tell me why you feel like it's a bad idea. And I took furious notes. And man, I took that back and I prayed on every single point of that for the next 30 days. And then I went back to the other four guys and said, hey, I talked to this guy and he tells me that it's a bad idea and here's what he thinks. What do you think about that? And I wasn't just going to say, hey, this guy's outnumbered or this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I really, we poured over it and prayed over it. At the end, we felt like God wanted us to to push forward. I went back to him and said, hey, I recognize, I I greatly respect you and, and your thoughts. And here's the decision we're making. Here's why we're making that decision. And he says, he says, if you feel like that's wise, and you feel like you've done your homework, and your legwork, and God's leading, he goes, I don't have any reason to tell you not to. He said, but you asked for my thoughts, and I gave them to you. Man, I appreciate that. And so, we, man, we plowed forward. We put the pedal to the metal, and, and pushed forward, and, and here we are. No lie. That guy, like, three years later called me up, and he says, hey, I just want to tell you, I was 100% wrong. He goes, I, what I told you, I, I stood by that at the time. He goes, but I see what God's done in your life. And he says, it's evidence that I was wrong, that you made the right, you made the wise decision. And, and I appreciated that level of humility. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I loved and respected this guy, because he was humble. But here's the thing. Don't look for godly counsel that will tell you what you want to hear. Look for godly counsel that will lead you into wisdom. Because that's what we crave in these situations. Here's the thing, you, you will realize that you are a godly mature Christian when you say, I don't want it my way, I just want to do what's wise. That's when you've reached a level of maturity. Because immaturity says, I want to do my own thing and I need somebody to tell me that it's okay for me to do my own thing. And hey, look, if you want to go blow your life up and live in foolishness, feel free to do that. Nobody's going to stop you from doing that. But if you really want to walk in wisdom, you're gonna come to a point where you say, I don't want what I want, I want what's wise instead. And godly wisdom will come from godly counsel. We'll also find it from find wisdom from godly instruction. This comes from the preaching and teaching of God's Word. This is people in your life just telling you, hey, I think this is what you should do. This is different from counsel. This is somebody just flat out telling you, hey, I saw what you did there, and I don't think you should do that. And here's the thing. You need to put yourself, and this might sound awkward, but let me just tell you this. You need to put yourself in the way of godly instruction, where godly instruction will find you. Not where you have to go looking for it or searching for it, but where you can automatically be smacked up beside the head with godly truth. You and I need that in our lives. Where do you find that? You find it from spending time with godly Christians. You find it from being in a Bible-preaching church. You find it from reading God's Word. Proverbs 9.9, I love this. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Again, I believe, this is just my interpretation on Proverbs nine. 9. If you disagree with me, that's okay. We can still be friends. But I read Proverbs nine, 9 as there's no cap on wisdom. Like you never reach the pinnacle of this dude is wise and he can check wisdom off of his list and, and just go on with life. No, the, Proverbs 9, nine says, teach a wise man and he will become even wiser. Ah, that's what I want. Sign me up for that. I don't, I don't consider myself a foolish person. I do foolish things from time to time, but I wouldn't classify myself as foolish. I would consider myself wise. But I'm not content with where I'm at in wisdom. I want to be even wiser. And how do you do that? You receive instruction. I haven't made it yet, but I want to learn more. I want to grow more. This is why, again, for me, I listen to to preaching podcasts throughout the week because I love the preaching of God's Word. I spend time reading Christian books, and uh, sometimes I'll read books that are written by secular authors. But here's what I have found. Here's what I have found is that secular authors who really speak truth will always be backed up by the Word of God. Always there was a a massive surge in leadership books in probably the mid to late 90s in this concept that they deemed servant leadership. That CEOs, if they truly wanted to lead in this new model called servant leadership, they wouldn't be the boss and tell people what to do. They would actually get involved with people in the trenches and they would carry the burden with these people and they would actually show that, hey, I'm one of you, We can do this together, and they called it servant leadership. It was so funny to me to think to myself, servant leadership? That's what Jesus did. Like, washing feet, that's as low as one gets when it comes to service. And the Bible says again in the book of Philippians that Jesus took upon himself the form of a slave. You want to take servant leadership one level higher, call it slave leadership. That's not a new concept. But man, it caught on like wildfire because people were like, oh, what a way to show humility and show that you're one of the boys by getting in the trenches with the boys and doing it like them. How about you make yourself of no reputation but take upon yourself the form of a slave? That's not a new concept. It might be new to the world, but man, that's just biblical Christianity to anybody who's ever walked with Jesus before. And so we'll find that godly instruction will come if we're willing to look for it. Proverbs 8.33, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Here's another one that I love, a source of wisdom we sometimes overlook. Determined observation. This is just being aware of what's going on in life. Hey, I see that guy that I work with and I've seen the decline in his life and the decisions that he's made. Hey, I see that person that we used to go to church with that went to a different church because they liked the music over there, but it, even though it had questionable theology, I've seen some of the things that they post on Facebook, and ah, I don't like what I see. Determined observation. There was a, a guy that I used to work with in, in California uh, that I was friends with. He was a great guy. Loved the Lord. Man, we served Jesus together. And, and we left uh, the church about the same time. Uh, we came here to... Uh, started who we call it. He went to, to pastor somewhere on the mainland. And I'm not a, a big social media guy, and, and I log into my Twitter account like once every year. But a couple of years ago, I, um, I logged into my Twitter account, and somebody was retweeting Joel Osteen on my Twitter account. And I thought to myself, who on planet Earth do I know that would ever retweet something that Joel Osteen said with like praise hand emojis? And it was this guy that I used to work with. It's like, what happened to him? And I'm telling you this, it was like a time capsule opened as I began to scroll back up through his Twitter feed and began to see the decisions that he was making, the churches that he was attending, the people he was hanging out with, the music he was listening to and the music he was allowing his kids to listen to, the concerts he was taking his kids to. It was just like, I see it coming and again, I'm reading it in reverse, and I'm powerless to stop any of it. I'm looking at it going like, no, 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 no. Oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Oh, this is where it all fell apart. And what happened? You just watch the progression of life. Again, the Bible says uh, in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 21, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. This is This is good. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. And the righteous man considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. The first part of uh, of verse number 11 there, it says, when the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. Remember the simple is like, what does it mean that this stove is hot? What does hot even mean? They're ignorant. They don't know any better. But when they see the scorner punished, That guy that's over there telling you, yeah, you can touch the the stove if you want. It's hot, but it's not going to burn forever. Anybody who tells you what to do is just trying to run your life. Do your own thing. You do you. That's the scorner. When the simple man sees him punished, then he steps back and goes, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to go that route. Look at that guy. That guy burned his hand off and wound up in the emergency room. They had to amputate his arm. I'm not going to take advice from him. That's foolish. So even the simple can watch what's going on and receive wisdom. You know, one of the other things that Solomon says in Proverbs 6.6, go to the ant, thou slugger, and consider her ways and be wise. Just sit down for a second and watch ants on an anthill, and you'll figure out a lot about life. Isn't that fascinating? Just, Just watch what's going on and you'll figure out a lot about life I, I enjoy going to the gym. It's, it's an it's a outlet for me for stress and, and everything else that i got going on in my life. But here's the thing that I enjoy about the gym too. It allows you to observe a lot about life there. Because you see people that are consumed with vanity, what they look like and how they present themselves. You look at people who are struggling with insecurity in ways that they want to, to make up for that. You see people who are willing to, to quit when things get hard. You see people that are willing to push through difficult times in adversity despite the, the pain and the physical uh, being uncomfortable. They're willing to push through. You learn about, a lot about life in a gym. Only if you're looking for wisdom, though. Otherwise, you see a bunch of meatheads that are screaming and yelling and dropping stuff and being loud and all sweaty and stuff, you know. But if you're watching, you can learn a lot about life. Man, One of the things that I love, I love, it's a pastime for me, people watching. Like, drop me at Alamoana Center and put me on a bench and come back and get me in like three hours. I will have a blast. Oh, it's so good. You know why? Because you learn a lot about life while you're there. You see how people interact with each other. You see how people talk to each other. And Angela, I... Uh, a couple of years ago, had gone to drop our kids off at school, and I ran by the McDonald's after we dropped them off, and I walked in, and there was a guy sitting at the table, and he had two smaller kids, and they were sitting at the table, and they had happy meals for the kids, and he was there going through the homework with his kids and stuff like that, and I thought, how sweet is that, like, and he's in work clothes, he's dirty and stuff like that, it looked like he worked construction or something like that, because he had on the, the safety yellow shirt, and had paint all over it and stuff like that, I Had I not work boots, and here he is at the table with his kids. Bought him a Happy Meal and helped them with their homework. And, like, I walked by, and it just warmed my heart. And I was just like, get it, dude. Like, I don't know what your story is. I don't know if you're, why would you do that at McDonald's? Is it a special treat for the kids? Or are you a single dad Is just trying to grind through it? You're working construction, which you're willing to help out your kids with their homework? And, like, I just walked by, and I just had a good feeling. Like, I wanted to, like, buy them an ice cream cone or something like that. And And I'm just sitting there, like, observing life and it's just one of those just feel-good moments and then I hear the dad say you are so stupid we've gone over this a dozen times I'm not even gonna help you anymore with this and he took her papers and raked them off the table and she just sat there and cried And he goes dry it up And, and like my heart sank I want to, like, go over there and put my arm around that girl and say, sweetheart, it's okay. It's only homework. Nobody really cares about this. You'll never use math after you get out of school anyways. (laughs) Seriously. And whoever this guy is, he's a jerk, you know. But what happened? What was the difference there? Here I had a feel-good moment where I just wanted to buy the guy an ice cream cone. And then 10 seconds later, I wanted to grab him by his shirt out in the parking lot and, and pound his face into the pavement. What changed there? determined observation. Because here's what you'll find out in life. Things aren't always the way that they seem. And so you might need to just step back at this situation and look at it for a little bit longer. And the Bible talks about those that are hasty to rush to judgment, that are quick to say whatever's on their mind. And those are not the people that are considered wise, according to the Bible. It's those who are willing to step back and observe for a moment. And so learn a lot about life, you gain a lot of wisdom by focusing on what's really going on and seeking wisdom that way. Again, true wisdom always aligns with the Word of God, always. The wisdom of God will never be outdone by the wisdom of the world. And any time the wisdom of the world says, requires you to, to violate the Word of God, just know that it's not really wisdom. Because true wisdom will always be validated by the Word of God, not violated by the Word of God. Proverbs 21.30, There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. (laughs) Three final thoughts and we're done. First of all, beautiful, beautiful truth straight from the book of James. God gives wisdom... Liberally. I want to talk about God giving wisdom liberally. He's like the lady at Panda Express as she's making your meal, and she's already put two scoops of orange chicken on there, and she gives grabs a little bit more and puts it on there anyways. It's like yes, load it up so that the orange chicken touches the top of the foam thing when you shut it, just like that. But then there's the one, it's like the the lunch lady from high school that you never really liked. I had this happen twice to me, and every time it just grinds my gears. They put it on there, and then they look, and they scrape like two pieces off and put it back. It's like, there's like two pieces. You're really going to do that to me? Like in front of me. It'd be one thing if you did it in the back, but you're doing it right in front of me. That's dirty. But God, when he gives wisdom, he loads it up and he looks and he goes, is that enough? No, I'll take a little bit more. Okay. If you want more, just ask. God's the type of God that you can go back for seconds and thirds and fourths. He'll give you as much as you want. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally. Load them up. Load them up. And he upbraideth not. He doesn't scold you like, oh my goodness, are you seriously going to ask for more? It's always, it's always cute to watch our guys on our men's leadership night. And I say cute because it is legitimately cute. You see a bunch of big burly dudes that go through and they're making themselves hot dogs and, and hamburgers and stuff like that. And aside from the cute part, there's always a couple of guys that put like a single hamburger patty on there with like mustard. It's just like, bro, are you really trying keto this week? Because like, it's not gonna last. Just get yourself a bun, get yourself a, some ketchup. Nobody's gonna tell on you. Like, just just do your thing, man. But it's always funny. You see guys, they'll 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 make themselves a plate, and they'll sit down, and they'll sit there for a minute. They'll like be looking around and stuff like that, and you see. Hey guys, we got plenty of food if you guys want to grab seconds and like 15 guys jump up and go back over there and start loading up again, you know. They were waiting for permission to come back, you know, it's just like, yes. Like, heaven help us if we ever have a men's event and we run out of food, that just goes to show like we didn't plan ahead for like dudes, right? But here's the thing god doesn't say like oh you want seconds yeah try again tomorrow or oh you're so dumb asking for wisdom again there's no rebuke with god when you ask for wisdom just keep coming and ask for it he's willing to give it so god gives wisdom liberally next seeking wisdom isn't a sign of weakness it's actually a sign of strength when i say hey i need some wisdom in this situation that doesn't show that i'm immature that shows that i'm actually really mature When I don't say, hey, I just want to find out how to get my way, and I say, I just want to do what's wise here, that's actually a sign of strength. The foolish man wants his way and doesn't care how he gets it. The wise man just wants God's mind in all things. (laughs) This one isn't in your notes. It's just good stuff. As we mature as Christians we'll ask less and less the question, is this right or wrong? But we'll ask, is this wise? Is this wise? Hey, Pastor, I'm thinking about going out with the guys this weekend and going to a bar, but I'm not going to drink. That's okay, right? Nothing wrong with that. If I go to a bar with the guys after work and don't drink, I would venture to say that there's probably a place in the Bible that we could find out that that's probably wrong to do so, following on a multitude to do, do, do evil in a couple other places in the Bible. But really, Bud, the question you need to ask yourself is, is that wise for a guy who seeks to be a man of God, for a guy who wants to set a good example of what a Christian man looks like for his coworkers, for his friends, for his family, for his children, for his wife? Ask yourself the question Is that wise? Hey, I'm thinking about getting the Romans Road tattooed on my forearm here. What do you think about that, Pastor? Right, that'd glorify the Lord, right? I think we could probably find some places in the Bible where we would say that that's probably not a good idea. But the question at the end of the day is Is it wise? Hey, Pastor, uh, my daughter is going to her high school prom, and everybody's renting hotel rooms afterwards nothing wrong with that as long as it's just a bunch of girls, right, on a high school prom night. (laughs) Well, I think we'd probably find some places in the Bible where we'd say that's not a really good idea. But the question is, is it wise? I don't think anybody could say that that's wise. But again, it takes a mature Christian to be able to ask questions like that. Because the immature Christian says, hey, I want to do this. The Bible says that's okay, right? 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 I, I can do that, right? That's an immature Christian. The mature Christian says, "I don't want to do it if it's not wise. I don't want to do it if it would hurt my testimony. I don't want to do it if it would cause others to think that I'm foolish. I wouldn't want to do this if it would hurt the name of Christ. I wouldn't want to do this if this is unwise. That's when we can see maturity taking place in our lives." And that's what I want to challenge you with tonight. Seek to be a wise, mature Christian. Look, I don't want my kids to just follow my rules because there's coming a day when my kids will move out of my house and they no longer have to follow my rules. But if they don't follow my rules but can walk in wisdom, I think we're in a pretty good spot. And so for me as a parent, I don't train my kids to follow my rules. I train my kids to be wise. Uh, For me as a kid growing up, my parents would always tell me, hey, you do this. Why? Because I said so. And here's the thing. As parents sometimes, especially the parent of a three-year-old, I get it. Sometimes you get to say, because I said so. You can't reason with a three-year-old. But then there comes a point in our kids' lives where they need to understand, you don't need to follow this just because your dad says you need to follow this because this is wise. And so as parents, we want to put into our kids from an early age not the ability to follow rules, because we'll follow rules because we either fear consequences And if we fear consequences, then we'll at some point make a determination, are the consequences worth it or not? Or even worse, can I hide my rule breaking so that I don't face the consequences? But here's the thing, if I can stick in my kids from an early age wisdom, they'll say, well, I probably could do that, but I don't want to because that's foolish. That wouldn't be wise. And so, again, the Bible teaches us so much about parenting. Again, there's a handful of passages that deal specifically with parenting in the Bible. But the Bible is chock full of wisdom that we get to put into our kids. And so seek wisdom. But wisdom is found, first of all, from the Spirit of God. And you will not have the Spirit of God unless you're a child of God. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved... You need to know for sure that heaven is your home, that Christ died for your sins, and put your faith and trust in Jesus and be born again, and then you'll receive the Spirit of God, which will guide you into all truth, Jesus Christ says. But For the majority of people in this room, I know your story of salvation, how you trusted Christ. Hey, let's walk in wisdom this week. Let's walk in wisdom till the day that we die, and let's crave wisdom like we would crave treasure, as Solomon says. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your kids.